let me jump back into our series, um, The Weight of When. On the first week, if, if you weren't here, I really broke down why we called it the weight of wind. I described who and what the Holy Spirit is. Um, the Bible uh, uses terms like ruach or pneuma, which basically just means wind. It means breath. It's a mighty rushing wind as God breathed over the waters, come breathe on us. That's what we were singing all about today as we were singing the song. It means wind. And, and there is a great weight behind this wind. He is The Holy Spirit is not a weak wind wind. The Holy Spirit is a powerful wind, able to do whatever he needs to do. He is able. He is um, um, hard to describe because intangible, can't touch him, can't see him, yet ever present. I feel, I sense, I know you are here. I know. You ever had that moment in church where you're like, I know God's presence is here. You are experiencing the Holy Spirit. Because God is seated on the throne in heaven. Jesus Christ is, is seated next to him on his right hand side. Stands up anytime a martyr is, uh, is killed. But they are positioned in heaven. It's the Holy Spirit who is with us today. He doesn't leave us alone. You are not uh, abandoned. You are not forsaken for he is with us. And then last week I, I helped describe um, a, a message I called Festivals Fulfilled. And Pentecost's will. Pentecost is one of the three main Jewish festivals. All three have been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Um, the first one being Passover, which is salvation. It's a free gift. Jesus did that. We're going to celebrate Easter in just a short period of time. I think we're about one month away, y'all. Come on. Y'all need to start asking God, who do you want me to invite to Easter? There's some co-workers who you could invite. There's some friends on the ball field you could invite. There's some people in your Facebook networks that you could personally invite. I'm just asking you to pray about that. And then Pentecost was the middle one. Came 50 days later in the same season as Passover. I don't have time to rephrase the whole message, but that was when God gave us the Holy Spirit, which was equipping power to do what we have to do until in the fall time they celebrate the festival of tabernacles, which is that the second coming of Jesus Christ is coming. It's also a picture of heaven, that we are not home yet, but we are going there one day, and God has given us Pentecost the power to live a fulfilling thriving, not just, not just surviving, but thriving life on the way to the day that I get to meet King Jesus up in the sky. Amen? And so quickly say out loud, I've got a purpose. Pentecost was all about I got a purpose. Now tell your neighbor, you got work to do. <laughs> that first festival was a free gift, but the other two, we got work to do. We got work um, um, that God has given us a purpose and there's something to do. And, um, and, and we, we got to live right on the way to heaven. So listen, listen. Um, last week, what I did was I took us from the Old Testament. So in your Bible, I took us. Look, I got all kinds of junk up in my Bible. Listen, look, everything's falling out. Look, I took us from the Old Testament, from the front cover, all the way to Acts, which is about two-thirds of the way through your Bible, to Pentecost. Today, my goal is to take us from Acts and Pentecost to today. So that means I'm going to go beyond the back cover of our Bible and give you just a little bit of history which will scope what God is trying to do and why we need the Holy Spirit today. If you're game with it, shout out, I'm game with it. Come on, write that in the chat. Say, I'm game, let's go. 
1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul told a church that met in Corinth, the Corinthians, he said this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, just then, a few of us who know about spiritual gifts or who have been around spiritual gifts or have been weirded out by spiritual gifts got a little, got a little nervous right there, okay? Um, um, my wife and I were playing a game with our college students. We had all of our Lyft college students over on Friday night to our house, and we were having a movie night. And before we did, we were playing this game called um, uh, what, what Christians Like or something like that. I don't know. It's basically apples to apples with Christianese. I mean, we were just we were laughing it up. Well, one of the things that you could, uh, one of the cards you could play is that weird feeling you get when the preacher starts talking about spiritual gifts. Come on, like some of us can identify where you're like, I don't, I don't understand spiritual gifts. My goal today is to help with that because Paul said concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be in the dark about them. I don't want you to be ignorant of them. I don't want you to not understand spiritual gifts. They are a blessing on your way to, to festivals, on your way to heaven. They are a blessing to your everyday life. They're part of seeing fulfillment carried out in your life. They're part of purpose in your life. And so I don't want you to be in the dark about them. I want you to understand them. I want you to know about them. And so Paul spends time for the next three chapters teaching about them. We oftentimes talk about 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about um, the love chapter for, for love is patient, love is kind. He was talking about how to use your spiritual gifts, not about how to marry your bride at the altar. Come on, Mac Daddy. Come. That's not what he was trying to do. He was trying to talk about you got gifts, and one of the best ways to love the world around you, one of the best ways to express it is to understand spiritual gifts, and I don't want you to be in the dark about them. I don't want you to be ignorant about them. So I've simply entitled this message, Spiritual Gifts at Lift. Spiritual Gifts at Lift. Anytime the word gift, I mean, anytime something rhymes with lift, I just throw it in there and I call it, I got a title for today, all right? Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And that you're here with us. And uh, we desire to learn. So we open up our hearts to you. We open up your word. Father, we ask that your word would be written upon our hearts that we might not sin against you. Father, we, I'm asking for an unleashing and a fulfillment to happen in people's lives, no matter where they're listening from. So that, Father, your kingdom will be advanced and hell's kingdom will be shrunk in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And if you agree with that, say, Amen. As promised. Let me give you a little bit of history um, uh, about the early church. So, Jesus lives powerfully on earth. That would be the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about Jesus being alive and well, living among, uh, 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 courting 12 disciples, teaching them the way, the truth, and the life. And so, as Jesus walked along, we see things recorded that were supernatural. Things like miracles, things like healing but also things that we see every day, but they're hard for you and I, like crazy compassion. <laughs> like Jesus didn't think twice about someone on the corner who was hurting. When the disciples were like, let's pass on the other side of the road, Jesus instead was engaging, and he was going, he was loving. He was full of, like, crazy compassion. He overcame anger when I don't think you and I would have made it. 
I'm, I'm just telling you, um, he was spat on on the way to the cross. Most men have some sort of testosterone that kicks in the moment they get spat on. And yet Jesus had overcoming anger. He, he, he had um, no jealousy. <laughs> Even when his disciples were like, you see what John the Baptist's boys are doing? We like need to one-up them. He was just like, it's cool. <laughs> Whoever's not against us is for us. Just let them be them. Like, he didn't, he didn't fight with jealousies or insecurities, and he had an irrational love. When people are like, you know who this girl is and what she do? <laughs> you know what she does? And, and he had this irrational love for people. We're going to talk about that in the next series, just how God has this an irrational love for for humanity and and we we see that as Jesus is walking around he's crucified he's died he resurrected and one of the things that he told his disciples before he left was this in John chapter 14 he says I tell you for certain that have if you have faith in me this is before he died he said if you have faith in me you will do the same things I am doing someone say same things you will do even greater things now that I'm going back to the Father. I think the disciples in harmony said, greater things? Are you kidding me? I saw you do some crazy things, like things that are way above it. Where's my transformation nation at? Okay, anyway, crazy things, crazy faith. All right, so listen, listen. And we're going to do greater things? We're going to do greater things than this? And, and I feel like God was, Jesus was saying this, you're going to need some power. Because you ain't got what it takes in you right now to do greater things than me. But look at verse 16. I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit who will help you. He'll equip you. He'll always be with you so that you can accomplish these greater things. So Jesus promised we would do greater things and that there's a Holy Spirit who's going to equip us to do greater things. Boom, fast forward to Pentecost, what we talked about last week. 50 days after he was um, uh, crucified, the Holy Spirit meets a group of disciples in an upper room in Acts chapter 2. They, they have a mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire. Uh, they're speaking in an unknown language, praising God. And so we see all kinds of spiritual gifts unleashed on people who aren't named Jesus. Common folk. Peter, who struggled, come on, uh, 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 Matthew, Bartholomew, come on, I'm telling you, if I had Bartholomew's name, you, you'd say, I need some power, because they, they just, they, I don't know, I just, maybe because I, I raised up in the Bart Simpson generation, right, come on, dude, I, I need some help, all right, and so, listen, all the disciples, they received power and now all of a sudden they're speaking in tongues they, they they have crazy boldness in evangelism they are healing people as they are walking by they are uh, extending acts of mercy that they weren't doing before they are having a supernatural wisdom from time to time not to go to this city but to go to this city where is it coming from now this is the spiritual gifts playing out in the disciples now, it's at this point that I have to say there is a brand of theology. Maybe you've heard it before. I, I, I personally don't believe it is correct. And, and this form of theology says that those spiritual gifts were poured out for the disciples that the Bible talks about. And when the last disciple died, those gifts died too. They, they don't operate anymore. It's a 
theology term called cessationism. Uh, people who believe this believe cessationists. Basically, the Holy Spirit doesn't move anymore. But can I say very clearly that I don't think the great wise counselor has gone offline. I don't believe the great physician has closed up shop. If even just one person has been healed, if we've even seen just one miracle since the time that Revelation saw its last pin, then the Holy Spirit is still active and moving in our day. And I believe it is true. I believe there are spiritual gifts that God wants us to have and the enemy doesn't want us to know about. I believe they're moving and active. In fact, one of the last apostles to live taught this. And if the Holy Spirit was going to close up shop the moment he passed away. I don't think Paul should have told us in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. He didn't say eagerly desire spiritual gifts while I'm still alive because they're going to go away shortly, so you want them quickly. He said you should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That's for you and I. So fast forward beyond the Bible. What happened outside of that? Well, the church grew rapidly, guys. we gone from 12 lost disciples. One of them betrayed Jesus. So 11 lost disciples who are going, our, our, our Savior's gone. Our Messiah's gone. And now the whole message has been left to us, the Great Commission. Go out into all the world and preach the good news so that they'd be baptized and they would repent of their sins and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I bet 11 would be going 11 to reach 11 million. Like, that's crazy. And yet the, the, the message exploded. And, and, and two things happen when there is rapid growth. Number one, the need for organization. There was probably organizational chaos. Even from the beginning, before Jesus died, you had certain disciples go, why does he, Peter get to be the leader? James and John, can we be the leader? How about us? And, and Jesus was constantly having to fix their jockeying. Well, guess what? When, when the, the early church exploded and people are believing, now all of a sudden people are going, there's chaos. <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of crazy teachings. And so they actually established something that you will not find in your Bible. They established a, a leadership structure called um, the, the, the clergy, which is typically a teacher or a pastor or a prophet or someone who's wise in the way. The word literally means one who reads. And so congregations would go, we need a clergy, you do the reading. And then there was the laity, that is the ones who lay around. No, I'm just joking. That's not, that's not what was intended. In fact, God intended for everyone to be a pursuer of the word. But uh, in, a, in a need for organizational um, structure, they, 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 they had this clergy and laity that was formed. And anytime someone doesn't understand something, they naturally run from it. So I think a lot of the laity was like, I don't understand these miracles. I don't understand the book of Revelations. <laughs> I don't understand what you're trying to teach. Jesus sometimes spoke in parables. How about you read it and you teach it to me and I'm going to stay back from afar. It's really no different than what we see in the Old Testament when uh, Moses came down from Mount Sinai in the presence of God. The glory of God was on his face and the people go, we ain't like you. You go ahead and cover up your face. You meet with God, then tell us what he said. Instead of us meeting with God ourselves. Can I tell you, we live in the New Testament, which means God wants to meet with you personally. 
In fact, Paul said it this way. You should not be drinking spiritual uh, 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 milk like a baby. You should go on to eat meat. Milk is processed through a cow before it is simplified for us to drink. Your word should not always be processed through a pastor before you get some sort of spiritual nourishment. You too should go straight to the meat. Now, I am here to encourage, I am here to lead, I am here to give vision, but I am not supposed to be your go-between in, in, in the sense that you should have a relationship with Jesus and pursue Him too. It's not a clergy does it all, we do not. No, 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 you are an active part. Tell your neighbor right now, you matter. You matter. And so, um, when the church exploded, I'm sure there was organizational chaos, but also the devil was ticked off. He's losing ground. So what does he do? He exploits the chasm that is being built between the clergy and the laity. The laity becomes less and less educated. The laity knows less and less about the word of God. The further I can move God's people away from the truth, the power that is in the words of this Bible, the better. And so I'll let the clergy hold on to it over here while the laity is over here going, what's in that word? I don't even know if you're lying to me. I don't even know if you're giving me the full package. I don't know if I'm getting a well-balanced diet. I don't even know what's in that Bible. And I think that's what the enemy wanted, for the vast majority of people to go, you tell us what's in there. The problem with it is now you've got a power divide, and if you do some historical looking, that's when the uh, God God's people went through the dark ages. Now all of a sudden, you've got priests who are kind of like, well, if you don't know what's in here, <laughs> what else could I add in here? You want to go to heaven? You're gonna, it'll be $100. Does that word say that? Sure it does. Because you can't read it, and because you don't know the truth that is for you. And so now all of a sudden... Notes in my Bible. That's going to be next guitar chords. I see that right there. Come on. Listen. Now all of a sudden, people, uh, Satan's exploiting ignorance levels. He's also exploiting arrogance levels. That's why we need the body to know the word and the, the leaders to be humble. And when the body knows the word, guess what? We're all in check because it's a checks and balances going on, okay? So some of you, this might be getting too historical. That's okay. Um, but I also believe that once he got the people a little bit ignorant of the gifts, a little bit not knowing what could be done, he also started taking gifts away. Because you don't know the word, I'm just going to take love for everyone away. I'm just going to take, um, come on, start easy. I'm going to take healings away. I'm going to make you believe healings can't happen anymore. I'm going to take away miracles. I'm going to take away words of wisdom. I'm going to take away tongues. Y'all don't understand it anyway. You don't like that one anyway. Let me take that away. But, but, but even simpler things. Let me take away water baptism. Let me make you think it's more about a sprinkling or that you don't need it at all. Maybe, maybe let, let, let me put, and then finally, let me take salvation away. And in the dark ages, you can do your studies through Catholicism. The people of God did not know how to find God except through a priest. And they did not know the truth that was available to them. It was like every spiritual gift was taken away from the body. Now, I believe that in the 1500s, then a Protestant Reformation happened. Maybe you've heard a little bit about Martin Luther. And Martin Luther came along, and he discovered one simple truth, that there is salvation by faith and faith alone, not works. 
like your 150 can't bust your grandmother out of purgatory. Because I just read in the word, it don't say that. So stop telling people that. Just because I'm trying to build a beautiful cathedral. We want to build a building too, but I'm not going to tell you something that's not in the word. Okay, so that's why I want you to be reading the word now. And also, you can't like run a hundred laps or pray ten uh, prayers of a specific kind just to earn your healing of any sort. It's by faith and faith alone that you will be saved. But they also discovered it's supposed to be the priesthood of all believers, not the priesthood of people who are on the platform. It became the priesthood of. Everyone. Somebody say everyone. Don't put that V up in there. Everyone. I wrote it this way. Guys, we don't need one, two, or a select few operating in their spiritual gifts. We need the whole body, including you. We don't need one, two, or a select few. We need the whole body. There's so much work to be done. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. The spiritual gift is given to, say these next three words with me each of us say these next three words with me each of us say those same three words with me each of us he's he's given spiritual gifts to each one of us why to act crazy in church no so we can help each other the spiritual gifts were never meant to be showboating they were never meant to be elitism they were meant to help one another to, to, to help and to see love. See, I am just one of the dream teamers operating in my gift. It has always been our heart. One of the best compliments I ever received, there was a local church nearby of a different denomination. They sent some of their board members one day, um, and, and, and they, they sent them to Lyft a few years ago, and they literally sat in some of the seats you're in, and they paid attention, and then they reported back what they learned. And I was like, uh-oh, come on, we're going to end up in a newspaper article or something like is there controversy and she so happily came to me afterwards she said can I share what I wrote and I was like yes and I was like am I gonna like it like is this gonna be a gut punch like we, we don't we're not for division we're for unity we're for the, the body coming together and living and, and, and then she said this she said one of the comments she was like I had such a life-giving experience at Lift Church and then she wrote this, the pastor takes up uh, a position that he is not above anyone, he is among everyone. And I said, you couldn't have given me a better compliment because I'm not anyone more special than anyone else on the dream team. I'm just one operating in my gifts. For God has given each one of us a gift. By being a pastor, one of, here's my gifts, leadership, communication, uh, apostleship Th these are gifts that I, I have on my life and I need to operate in them what's apostleship it just means that we're going to have multiple campuses because more people need to hear about the word of God one day that's all it means so I need to operate in my gifts which means I might hold a microphone more often that doesn't put me on a higher platform than anybody else my wife I was telling her this week her gifts I'm, I'm talking God laid it out in all peace man parenting praise and prayer anytime you talk about parenting anytime you talk about praise and worship anytime you talk about prayer everyone listening is better 
I'm telling you, my wife needs to write a book on those things. She's fantastic. And those are her gifts. But what makes us great is when each one of us operates in their gifts. Because we all don't have the whole package. Come on. I need people who are great at teaching the next generation about uh, Jesus Christ. We need people who love to make sure people are safe so that they can be comfortable and open up their hearts and hear the message of God. We need people who feel called to go to the mission field to talk to people who've never been reached before we need people who say making money is super easy for me i don't know why let me tell you why because god wants to use you to finance building the church of god so make that bank and use it for the glory of god like we need people who are really good singing the message of jesus christ we need people who are looking to lead people in small groups so that they disciple people for the glory of god these are all special gifts they are spiritual gifts they are in the body someone say amen i'm a big soccer fan i watch english premier league it's my favorite liverpool all the way liverpool was playing a team named arsenal who the last few years has not been very good yet they are on a five game winning streak and one of the announcers said as they played liverpool this past week he said this what has clicked for arsenal is that when the new coach came in, he had players playing in the wrong preferred position just because they were the best available. Now he's got people playing in their preferred positions and they're winning every game they play. I feel like the body of Christ needs to get people in their spiritual gifts identified so you're in your preferred position and watch the church of Jesus win. Come on, can I get an amen? Romans 12 says this, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So with the time I got left, let me tell you how to apply this. Three simple things. Number one, well, how do you use this? Number one, discover God's gift for you. Discover God's gift for you. If I keep reading Romans 12, it goes on to say, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift of serving others, so help me, serve them well. Come on, listen, if, if, if you are a teacher, teach well. Like, give it your best. Don't bring your B game. Don't bring your good enough game. Bring your excellent game. If your gift is to encourage others, we, know, we want you encouraging all the time, just lifting people up. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership abilities, don't sit back in the back row. Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Two takeaways. You got a gift and use it as great as you possibly can. Now, let me say this. Uh, Nate up here is a fantastic musician. He plays bass. He plays electric guitar. Now, we could say that is a spiritual gift. That is a gift of his. Now, would you find it appropriate if Mary, our, our worship director, were to tell Nate, hey, can you continue to keep developing that gift? Like, keep learning new things. Keep sharpening that saw. How many of us would say that's appropriate, right? That's a good idea. Bring your best. Well, it's no different than when it is with mercy. If you have the gift of hospitality, 
Don't, don't just, you know, hey, I do it sometimes, you know, and I, I haven't really learned much. Why not sharpen the saw? Because God has given you something to do it well. Come on. I, I, I just, I've gotten ahead of myself a little bit. So let me back up and show you some of the gifts there are. There's about 27 in the Bible. I believe there's even more beyond that. Here's just a quick list. Go ahead and throw that up there. Maybe you take a picture. Some are gifted with administration. Some are not. You'll know by looking at their desk. Or how many unread emails or texts they have, right? Come on, I cannot stand having a red dot next to any of my apps. Anybody with me? You might have the gift of administration. Some of you are like have a hundred and four. If you've got three digits of notifications in a red circle, <laughs> drives me crazy. I could be your friend just sitting next to you. I'm like, you might want to read some of them. Like, some of those could be important. Like, some have the gift of administration. And those who don't are like, somebody with the gift of administration. Help a brother or a sister out, okay? Anyway, listen. Some have the gift of apostleship, craftsmanship. Oh, you could build something, and others of us are going, how in the world did you build that? Come on. Um, discernment, evangelism, exhortation. That basically means teaching the word of God. and, and uh, Faith. Some can believe for things. Others of us have trouble believing for it. You should be on our prayer team if you do. Giving. Healing, helps, hospitality, intercession, knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, missionary, music, pastor, prophecy, service, teaching, tongues, wisdom. You know, most of us don't have a problem with any of them on the list except for one. People get weird about tongues. But when it comes to helps, we're like, I'd love that gift in spades. When it comes to mercy... Right, so here's what I would say before I, I, I'm not, I don't have the chance to explain that one in full detail. Let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. If you don't understand it, just go, that's not my gift. Uh, maybe in time, God will help me understand that gift or I'll receive that gift. But for now, I'm going to roll with my spiritual gift because it makes the body of Christ better. Tell somebody, you make the body better. All of these gifts, look at them. How much damage could these gifts, put them back up there, how much damage could these gifts do to the gates of hell if the entire body just started rocking these? I'm telling you, hell would go chaotic, crazy, scared, run with fear. I got to move on. How do you discover your gifts? You can sign up for next steps. We help every single month. In week two of Next Steps, we help you identify your spiritual gifts. So even if you're like, I don't know if I want to join the dream team, but I want to find out my gifts, we encourage you, sign up. You could scan the barcode, sign up, just go through the class. It's only three short weeks on a Sunday morning. You come into church anyway. You could discover your gifts so that you know my top three are these, and I make the body better when I focus on these three. We don't need you focusing on the weakest one. We probably got someone sitting next to you who your weakest one is their highest one. And if they do what they do and you do what you do, we all win. That's why it's a body. I don't need the hand doing what the knee is already doing. And I don't need the knee doing what the ear is already doing. Number two, develop those gifts. Develop those gifts. I can't leave them dormant. I got I to gotta move quickly, so I'll just say this. Develop those gifts. Do you know in every single phone there is an accelerometer in there come on honey get my glasses on you have an accelerometer in your phone a lot of us are going what the heck is an accelerometer and how did it get in there now 
I could do one of two things. If all humanity could go, there's an accelerometer in there, so what? I'm going to ignore it. I'm not going to develop it. Others of us might go, I didn't even know there was an accelerometer in there. But if just a few people develop the accelerometer, do you know it tracks your speed? It gives you GPS results. Tells you how fast you're going. It could track your run. It could make robust gains. It could um, it, it, it could orient your directions. It can give you maps. It can tell you when to turn. All because someone didn't take a dormant thing anymore. They engaged it. And l- let me say it this way: ignoring it would be limiting a powerful device. Now listen to this: the accelerometer has a purpose, and so do your spiritual gifts too. You can't ignore powerful thing that's on the inside of you develop it let it be robust let it bless everybody second timothy 1 6 says for this reason i remind you to fan into flame the gift of god that which is in you come on up so he wants us to develop it i say read study ask questions be mentored develop come on we got to develop it number three use those gifts I got to discover my gifts. I got to develop my gifts. And then I need to use those gifts. God will give me boldness through the Holy Spirit to use it. First Peter 4 says this. For God has given to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts, manage them well. You say, what's in it for me if I do manage my gifts well? Well, I'm glad you asked me. So that God's generosity can flow through you. Let me say it this way. When you operate in your spiritual gifts, God's generosity, heaven opens up to you because he says, I found a conduit that I can touch people's lives through. You got the gift of hospitality and it's just opening up their doors all the time. I feel like some would say, we don't have the income to keep being that hospitable. But when God sees an open heart and an open door and somebody operating their gifts, I think God can miraculously provide a funding way that you saw no other way. Come on, when, when you just say, uh, God, I don't know how to do this kind of faith thing. This is totally new. I tell people, when you score on faith, you need to join our prayer team. Many times people go, well, I don't know how to pray. I say, yeah, but let us develop that in you because you will pray prayers that other people struggle with. If my kid has got some sort of terminal disease, I don't want someone without faith just kind of struggling through. Our prayer team's full of people who's got the gift of craftsmanship, nothing wrong with that, but they're over here going, do something. I hope you can, right? You get some people full of faith, and they start saying, it is done in the name of Jesus Christ. We celebrate you in advance. We worship you, we honor you, and we glorify you because you are already moving. Before I see a way, you've already made a way, and I trust in this. Come on, we need people who are operating in their spiritual gifts. Can I get an amen? Will you receive it today? Will you receive it? Here's our website header as I close. This is what our website has said from day one. Go ahead and throw that up there. It simply says, live fulfilled. Why is this the message that we want every single person to see the first time they ever encounter Lift Church? It's because I was once lost. I was once in a touring band trying to find fulfillment in popularity, money, and girls. 
I was trying to build fame. I was trying to build a platform. I was trying to build a resume. I was trying to build a portfolio. I was trying to build a following. And all of that, no matter how big it grew, always seemed to be empty. When we played to 100 people, that was like, awesome. But now I need to play to 200. Then we played to 500 people, and it was like, awesome. That was fantastic. Had a momentary high. Now uh, 200 won't do. We need to play to 1,000. I've played before tens of thousands of people before and I thought that was amazing next day I woke up it was empty because I I got to strive for more I got to strive for more got to strive for nothing was fulfilling that lasted it was like being intoxicated but it dissipated after a little bit finding fulfillment was fleeting until I found Jesus Christ I came to a church like this reluctantly I found Jesus Christ and I gave him my life. Soon after, about 50 days later-ish, the Holy Spirit filled my life. Began showing me how I'm uniquely gifted to build the body of Christ. As I started doing it, all of a sudden, things became oddly fulfilling. All of a sudden, fulfillment lasted significantly longer. I can remember the day they told me, we want you to play bass for the first time. I had been in church for about six months, never played the instrument. I knew, let me be a little bit cocky because some of you can relate to this. I knew I was the best bass player in the building. I was like, why do you got this guy playing every time? Right? Because I, I had played a lot. I had studied a lot. I had developed a lot. And I wondered, why didn't I get my shot till the day that I kind of was just like, God, it's all in your hands. I don't care whether I play or not. I'm just blessed to be in your house. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. That's when, soon after, my pastor said, I want you to play. And he said, now, I'm going to warn you, when you play worship for the first time, it's going to feel like nothing you've ever done before. This little cocky, arrogant 20-year-old who's still getting humbled kind of thought, right, 175 teenagers, they don't measure up to 2,000 packed into a college bar after their home team just won a big game. So I'm happy to play, but this experience will just be, it's, it's nothing. Like, I've done much bigger things. I got on the stage, and I played, and it was like nothing I've ever done before. I got off, and I was just like, the feeling of using my gift for the purpose it was originally created for far surpassed anything of using my gift for purposes it was never created for in the first place. I was blessed and I found fulfillment in the house of God. Let me just say it this way. You will not find lasting fulfillment outside of Jesus Christ. The Bible says you and I are living stones building the house of God. In other words, you might have the gift of teaching and you might have discovered that already. And so maybe you're one of the best teachers around. But sometimes it's fleeting because bad days wear it out or it passes real quickly. I'm just trying to tell you that when you become a teacher in the, in the house of the Lord, meaning not just in church. I'm just saying I now have a new purpose. My teaching is to be used to glorify God, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in the church room, whether it's out in the world, whether it's on a ball field, I don't care. I want people to know about me, the glory of God. Then, and then only, does your fulfillment start to go. This is what I was put on earth to do. This is why I was created. You know, a vast majority of the church does not know why they were created. I want you to know that today. 
Father, come on, I'm, I'm closing prayer. If you would open up your hands, Father, I want every single person to know you and to discover their gifts. Holy Spirit, you can reveal them to us. Father, we can help through, through next steps. We'll, we'll do our best to help. But Holy Spirit, you are best at revealing it. Even right now, you can whisper in people's ears. Some of us are going to find that we are off kilter, or we're out of balance. Father, give us courage to make the change, to live in the way you want us to do it. We want to help at Live Church. So, Father, I pray connections happen in Jesus' name. And, Father, for those who are already in alignment, let them come alive and spark like they've never sparked before. And let it all be for the glory of God. Not that man would be glorified, but God would receive all the highest glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. Before you open your eyes, before you look around, would you just meditate for a moment, close your eyes, and just self-reflect. How is your soul with God? Are you right with Him? you had to meet him today would you be fearful or would you be eager when I was 20 years old I told you a little bit about this story I was so fearful because I knew secrets that no one else knew but I knew he knew somehow can I tell you the best news ever that Jesus Christ came knowing your secrets and what we would commit what sins we would commit even before we were yet born he still died for us and he died so that it would cover our sin and our shame. In other words, all of your sinful secrets can be washed away. Not so that you could go commit new ones, but so that you could be free, free, free indeed. He whom the sun sets free is free. And you can get out of guilt and shame and step into your God-given purpose and start building the kingdom of God. It's going to be amazing. If that's you, just real quickly, I won't call you down or embarrass you. Just real quickly, if you throw your hand quickly in the air and back down, say, that's me, Pastor Drew. I need to get some things right with God right here, right now, this morning. Come on, just throw your hand up and quickly down. Yes, thank you. If you're online, just say, that's me. That's me. Let's pray out loud, church, together with everybody who raised their hand. Let's pray out loud. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross to save me. I got some stuff I'm ashamed of. I've got some things I shouldn't have done. And I bring them to you right now. I say I'm sorry. Will you forgive me for my sins? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can live for you? I want to start over again. I am your vessel. I am your house. And you can live in me. Accomplish your will through me. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said...